I watched an interview recently. It was from an elderly Jewish woman who was living in New York. You could tell that she had had a husband that she married in the late 50s, who she loved dearly, who had passed some years before the interview took place. And she introduced her two children, who, had, who were grown, and who had both passed medical school. They had grandchildren of their children of their own. She, this lady was brimming proudly of being a, a grandmother and how successful and happy her family was and things were going very well. Truly a success story. This lady in her senior twilight years, you could tell that she was very proud of her family and, and, and seemed very truly grateful um, even just being there. Because she recounted a tale from years before she was just a girl of 12 living in Poland when things were not going so well. She recounted the time when her and her family were rounded up and taken to Auschwitz. And we all know what happened in Auschwitz. She was 12 years old and she told the tale of how she was put into what she called a cattle car and taken separated from her mom and other members of her family she was there only with I think she said her five-year-old sister which she could do nothing but hold on to I imagine this five-year-old little child having absolutely no idea what was going on and, and how would they but she remembered about how scared she was and how upset she was that she was separated from her mother and how people in the cattle car as she called it were telling her to pretend to be 16 years old to tell the guards that she was 16 rather than 12 and this is important this is an important fact because that means that everyone in the cattle car was well aware of what was going to happen they knew that the people that were rounded up, of those that were strong, abled enough, strong enough, healthy enough, old enough, that they were going to be rounded up and taken to work camps, where they would then do manual labor, hard labor, and work. And they knew also then that those that looked sick or were sick, or who, had, who did not appear to be strong, or who, who were too young or too old would be executed would be taken to the death camps and would be killed in the most horrific of ways they had to know that the mere fact that they had told her to pretend to be 16 and I can only imagine the implication that that means of them all knowing what was in store and how terrifying that must have been 12-year-old girl separated from her family. But as time went on, she told the tale of how she had seen dead bodies on the ground from where they had been executed before. She had recounted the story of how she had worked in the kitchen and was going to deliver food and that she had always enjoyed helping and taking care of other people in the camp. 
and one day she was going to deliver food and she was expecting to see this place brimming full of people and one day she had seen that there was hardly anybody left and that meant they had killed upwards of 10,000 people in one day. She had recounted the story of this time when people had seen where they were going, they were being rounded up to be burned alive, to be burned alive and how everybody was frantically screaming and crying and become hysterical at that point, knowing what was in store for them. Uh, she herself was frantic. And somebody had said to her that she needs to stop being so hysterical or she was going to end up in one of the smokestacks. But she was crying and telling them to shoot her first, begging these guards to shoot her first, rather than feel the torture of being burned alive. She recounted this tale, and she often had a teary mist in her eyes, quite emotional, recounting the trauma that this whole experience left on her. That leaves very little room for trust in other people, in hope for humanity, in hope and for the future. But uh, she remembered that because she was 12 years old, pretending to be 16 or whatever, however old she was at this time, because some time had passed from when she first initially went to Auschwitz. But they would line people up and they would inspect them. And she said that they would be in the nude at that time and they would inspect their bodies. They would look for imperfections, for pimples, for blemishes, for any sign of weakness to measure them up to see if they would be of any use to them for their hard labor. She recounted how she was fortunate enough to be thin and healthy looking. And that's how she was able to survive. That she just appeared to be able-bodied enough to move on and do work in the camps and they had sent her off to Germany. And she did not go with any other members of her family. She went on to Germany to go into the work camp. And that's where she remained until they were all liberated. I think she might have said it was 1953. But excuse me, I'm not 100% certain of the year, but it was the early 50s uh, when they were officially liberated. And she had gone back to see if there was any members of her family left and she said she did, I think, find a brother and a sister there both of which, whom she had never grown up with but that they were alive, fortunately she took solace in that but knowing that every other member of her family that was ever rounded up was, was gone and the interviewer asked if she had any hope for humanity and she considered and paused that question for a moment and had said no, that mankind was capable of such evil and such atrocities and such wicked things. And he had said, was there any place for happiness? And she had said no, going through those tragedies there was very little room for happiness and she couldn't be, looking back at other kids and how other kids are brought up, there was no room in her life for that happiness and that laughter and those experiences that other kids feel. 
but she recounted the happy times of when her kids got married and said that with her children being happy, that makes her happy. Being getting married and her husband, she remembered him fondly. And she remembered the terror that would follow her for years and haunt her afterwards, the nightmares. When her mind, when she slept, would take her back to the camp days. And her family, her kids at a young age would recount those nights when they would hear their mother screaming in the middle of the night, screaming, help me, help me. But she was dreaming. She was dreaming that she was back at the camp and she was being pursued by guards and that she was going to be next to be killed. And these dreams and nightmares persisted for years and years until one day her husband took her back to Auschwitz. And this was after everything was long gone and it was a shell of what it was. It was a standing monument of horror. And it was a way for her to say goodbye. It was a way for her to close that chapter on her life and say, you know, it's, it's done, it's gone, it's over. And she said that was when the nightmares had stopped, when she was finally able to move on. But she said now she feels that there are good people in the world, even still. That, that there are good people in the world, and there was room in her heart for trust for people. And that those people in a, around her that she does not trust, that she typically does not keep around in her life. But that within her circle, that these are the people that she can trust. These are the people that she can love and be happy. And she ended up having a successful family and grew up to be quite senior in years and have a, a good family. But here's a woman that went through one of the greatest tragedies in history lived it, survived it. And the interviewer had asked her, what can her story do for other people? What does she want her story to do? Like, how do you want it to help the world? And she had said she wanted her story to serve as a reminder to never let something like that happen again. And you got to think, can anything like that ever happen again in this modern world in this world where people pretend that they're so enlightened, in, the, in this world of science where we've learned so much, can we still possibly allow such a thing to happen again? And it's true that men are capable of horrors, unspeakable horrors. We're capable of the worst things imaginable. We're capable of destroying each other. We're capable of completely wiping out our entire species. We have this capability. We have this these weapons that could do the job. And I'm thinking about the current situation of this COVID-19 pandemic, how everybody's being so pissed off and hateful that they even have to wear a mask instead of just protecting those people around them and helping the people around them by doing something so simple. People complain about this little notion about wearing a mask. And then I think about this woman who at 12 years old was taken to Auschwitz, who had some real things to complain about, had some real tough times had faced some real horrors, had gone through some real disadvantages, and she ended up being okay. And I think as small as this is and how incomparable it is, 
It's a reminder that people need to remember to take care of others. People need to remember to be good to others. People need to remember to be kind to others. People need to remember to take care of their fellow man. Look to the left and look to the right of you and make sure that the people around you are doing okay. Remember to hold tough and steadfast during these difficult times, whatever they may be, maybe this time or some other time or some time yet to come, that there are or will be some very difficult times. And remember the greatest thing is selfless love. Selfless love for everyone, to take care of everyone. And in a time that right now it's so divided and so separated and so split that we need to remember to be together, to come together. How else can you get through these difficult times without working together? But that's a powerful message. Just don't repeat the evils of history. You have to learn about history and know about where we came from so you're not doomed to repeat it. That's the message today, as when things get hard, when things get difficult, hope can still be found. Love can still be found. Trust can still be found. And wherever there is love, there is hope.